we pray that we can do that today, that you just be the breath in our lungs and that as we speak to people and as we go about our days that they know we're Christians by the way we act, by the way we talk, um, and just by our actions. God, we, we thank you for that. And we just pray that we can continue to be um, your vessels to change this world. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How nice is it to have people back in the building? Can you crank me down just a little bit? Thank you, sir. Because when I start yelling here in a minute, it's going to get loud. I have my mask on for a reason, just because it has a beaver logo on it. And I just wanted to show that off to all you Duck fans, if you're watching or you're a Duck fan here today. Katie, uh, go Beavs. <laughs> it is. It was. And it was a good one. Man, was it a good one. It was a nail-biter. I'm there all by myself watching it, and I'm, up, I'm, I'm standing up. I'm, like, watching it, and I'm just like, ah, yeah, it was, whew, that was too much. Anyway, hey, welcome, everyone. If you are brand new here, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here at Lighthouse, and, uh, man, I just, it just feels good. It's a nice sunny day. It was supposed to rain today. Uh, they, you know, you can keep that. I don't want that today. Um, but just to kind of get the fellowship back in the building again, uh, we were only closed for two weeks because uh, of the quarantining and everything, but uh, there was a big win. Uh, I don't like to talk about anything really negative, but uh, there was a big win for the Christian churches for the Supreme Court uh, the other day. Uh, basically, the Supreme Court is saying that uh, local authorities and governors and mayors, they don't have the authority to dictate what churches do and how they congregate. So... With that being said, we will congregate. We were already going to congregate, but we're still going to not be crazy about it and just put all our chairs back and go to one service and have 300 people in here or anything. We're going to still try to do what is uh, right and, and what is best for people as well as for the Lord. So we're not going to get caught up in just you know being arrogant about it. We're going to take precautions, uh, as we should. Uh, because we did have someone in our church family last uh, two weeks ago that had COVID, you know, so we got we to gotta make sure we do things right. Anyway, uh, we are kicking off a brand new series. I'm really excited about this series because it's Christmas time. Well, it's November and it's after Thanksgiving, so it's official. You can decorate to some people. Uh, we started decorating a little bit early um, just because we love it. Um, people might say that I'm rushing it a bit. We were actually going to do a three-week series uh, that led up to today, but instead I go, you know what, how about we have a six-week series for Christmas instead, because we kind of need Christmas right now. We need some joy out of this 2020, and I figured, you know, I probably could have canceled the rest of the year, because the Beavers won, and that brought me plenty of joy for 2020, but with that being said, Christmas is uh, where it's at, and the, the Christmas series that we're kicking off uh, we're calling it, What Child Is This? What child was it that was born? Why is it uh, so great that he, this child was born? Well, this is the child that brought us hope. This is the child that brings us salvation. And it's crazy, 2,020 years ago, this child was born. And today, He still gives us hope. The same hope that was given over 2,000 years ago. So what child? What child was it? It was Emmanuel, Jesus. 
the Christ, our Messiah. He was born, and he was born of a virgin, and he came for the forgiveness of sin. I don't know about you guys, but I am super grateful for that alone right there, that he came to save wretched me. So I want to talk about this Christmas song we're going to sing here in just a little bit. We're kicking off the Christmas series, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through a series of Christmas songs that we may have grown up with. Maybe you've never even heard it before, I don't know, but uh, there are some really good traditional songs that many of us do know, and we grew up with them. I remember them more at my grandmother's house than I do even my mom's. I was not a church attender or a church goer uh, growing up, so it was an old hymn, it was a Christmas carol, but... I didn't hear it very often, uh, very little in the schools uh, at my age, but today we're going to talk about the Christmas song and how we can apply it to our lives, but yet we're going to get into the Bible as well, uh, is O Holy Night. O Holy Night. Maybe uh, a few of you know it, but how it was written uh, was by a name of uh, Placide Capeo de Rockmeyer. I probably murdered that, and I'm not going to say it again. So... He was a poet, and this guy, he must have been really shocked back in 1847 when the local church, a local parish, a priest with the Catholic church actually walked up to him and said, hey, I'm interested in you writing a poem for the church, something that we can use for our Christmas worship service. And what was so shocking about this is this man, though was a poet, he wasn't a Christian. He was not a Catholic, he wasn't a Christian, he was not a follower of Christ at all. But he was honored. He was pleased to be asked that, hey, you know, we get to write this poem. He was happy to use his talents for the local church, knowing that his name was going to get out there. And during this horse-drawn carriage, dusty, cold night, here's this guy writing this song, and he used Luke 2 to write this poem. It's pretty neat how the whole thing comes together. He used the Gospel. He imagined witnessing the birth of Jesus Christ and how amazing that would have been. I couldn't imagine being able to witness the birth of Christ myself. I would have probably thought many of the thoughts that I still have to this day, but because of him imagining Jesus being born in Bethlehem as he read Luke 2, the words, O holy night, came to pass. When he finished, he thought, wow, this is not just a poem, this is actually a song. And he wanted to use it as a song, but he wasn't very good at music at all. And so he turned to his buddy, uh, his name was Adolph Charles Adams, and he actually wrote the music, and the very first Christmas carol called, O Holy Night Was Born. It quickly became a favorite throughout the, the cities and the towns, Uh, In France, uh, that's where it was discovered and it had happened. And once the church leaders discovered, not the one parish that asked them, but once the church leaders discovered that the guy that wrote the poem and the guy that wrote the song to the poem, neither of these men were Christians. So all of the church in France decided, we're going to ban this song. This is a terrible song. It's blasphemy. How could a non-Christian write a song, even though he wrote it biblically? Well, just like the American people, we don't like to listen to everything they tell us to do because of our freedom. 
They decided, you know what, we're going to sing this song anyway. You can't stop us from singing a song. So the, the French people decided, you know what, we're going to continue to sing it. And the song lived on. And then in 1885, an American pastor, John Sullivan Dwight, translated the song into English and he introduced the song during the dark days of the American Civil War. Interesting fact. One more interesting fact. I thought this was neat. I got to share this with one of our, our elders uh, the other day. He was a radio guy forever, so I thought he'd like this. But in uh, 1906, a gentleman by the name of Reginald Fessenden, I'm most likely saying that wrong. Just You can look it up. I'll tell you how to spell it later. He was a Canadian inventor, and he broadcast the very first AM radio station. He began by speaking these words on the very first broadcast of that American radio. He started out of Luke 2 as he's reading, Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augusta for the, the uh, census to be taken over the Roman Empire. The very first thing ever spoken on the radio was Luke 2. I love that. But then he continued to read the Christmas story. And as he finished it up, he picked up his violin and he began to play this song. The very first song ever played on the radio. Ever. Was O Holy Night. The night when Christ was born. That's pretty neat. That's why I picked this song. It's fun to have the facts and things that go to the song. But then I had, to, I, had to, I had to step back and go, wow, you know what? I never really gave it much thought. Christ's birth, how it happened, where it happened, when it happened. All of these things came into play for me, and I'm thinking, wow, this is actually kind of insane, really. It's kind of a weird thought to think that God came and was born in a cave. Cold, damp, not in a bed, not in a hospital, not with someone that knew what they were doing. No, Joseph delivered the baby. Joseph hadn't even seen his wife intimately yet. There was no way she was doing anything while she was pregnant with Joseph. And yet here we have this weird time, weird place, and Jesus is born in the most humble of ways. Extremely humble time. I thought, you know, growing up, if you think about God, He's King. Jesus is King of the Jews. It kind of does a disservice to God to be born in such a place. I mean, they had to travel. You know, Mary and Joseph traveled 80 to 120 miles and then has to have their child in a cave, in a manger, because there wasn't a room. It's interesting when you really think about it. What took place? This is actual history. This actually took place. This is a written account. A written document that tells us all of these things. As a kid, I was growing up, my grandma, she decorated a lot like this. Probably more so. I mean, there wasn't much walking room for the amount of trees she stuffed in her house. I loved it. It made me feel at home. It made me just joyful for Christmas when I went to Grandma's house. She had this obsession with angels. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding when I said obsession. Thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. And then she realized, you know what? I'm obsessing over the wrong thing here. 
And she had this epiphany, I guess. Well, then she started, she got rid of all the angels. I couldn't believe it. She got rid of all the angels. And then she decided she was going to start collecting manger scenes. And I didn't even know what the significant really was. I was just thinking, wow, here we go again, something different. I think you're nuts. You know, I didn't tell her that. Grandma, if you're watching, I don't mean you're nuts. I just thought you were nuts. Not the first one. So now she has all of these manger scenes all over her house. And I'm thinking, what's the point? I never really thought about it. And then the more I I fell in love with Christ and the more I started following Jesus and I became a Christian and I realized what the Christmas story actually is, then I go, wow, okay, there's really something quite extravagant about the manger scene. There's something extremely beautiful about the manger scene and how God came. When we really focus on it, I want you to think about it. How many of you have had children and you remember when a child was born in your life? You, you were there at that really comfy place called a hospital. And you had this nice comfy bed and they, they would bring you in warm blankets, at least from here up for the ladies, right? Because they had to check for the baby and all that. But what did women have now that they don't have then? Those really cool things called drugs, right? Epidurals. They'll just numb you up, can't feel a thing, out pops a baby, everybody's happy. Mary didn't have that. This is significant. She's miserable, probably laying in some hay next to some farm animals. Where there's farm animals, there's farm feces and things. It probably didn't smell the best in there, but yet that's where she was having baby Jesus. That's where she was having our Messiah in the most humble of places. Oh, holy night. So can you see the significance of what was going on? God says, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to come in a place where no one would expect. Because I think He knew everyone is worthy, no matter your background, your place, where you're born, where you're from. It doesn't matter you're still made in the image of God. So how many of you would say right now today that 2020, for our culture, for this year, it's been kind of a weary one? It's kind of been... I I took that out of the song because I'm thinking, wow, this kind of is a weary one. This has been a crazy year up until last Friday night when the Beavers won. But for all you Duck fans, it's still a weary one. It's been crazy this year. All of these things have changed and turned our lives upside down as we've ever known. Who would ever thought that you had to walk into a store wearing one of these? I hate it. It's weird. I wear it out of courtesy for others. I hate it. It's weary. It's kind of eerie, really. You stand in line and you look around at everyone. Ooh. Ooh. And, sorry, (laughs) squirrel. You look around at everyone and everyone's got a mask on and everybody's standing really far apart and you can't go see someone in a nursing home who needs our love and they're alone. You can't go with your spouse or a loved one into the hospital in their most lonely time. 
It's broken. People are losing loved ones. People can't even say hi to their grandchildren because they're worried because of their age that if they got this virus, it could take them out. What a weird time. There are people hurting all over the place because of loss of income and jobs. It's a weary time in 2020. To throw it all in there, our country's more divided than ever as we went through an election. We don't need to worry about the results or anything. It's just an election year. No one likes votes. It's almost like the Civil War. It's crazy. But what's awesome is, in the song, it says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. How do you rejoice in this weary world? As we capture the word weary and that we apply it to our lives, we have this hope that we easily forget. This eternal hope that, hey, guess what? A child was born and brought us hope 2,000 years ago. And He died on a cross later for us to give us salvation. That's what our hope is here. That's where our hope derives. It's our salvation. It's our future. It's not what the world can bring. The world's only going to get more and more and more weary and weird and different. Look at all these third world countries where people are sleeping in dirt, tents, filth, but yet they get up and they're happy. Why? Because they have Jesus. They have hope that someday whatever it is that they're in right now isn't going to last. It's not forever. It's only for a moment. Life on this earth is temporary. And we know that. And because of that, we can say it's a new and glorious morning. Knowing that I was preaching that this morning and I got up and I'm watching the sun come up and I'm like, wow, it was supposed to rain today. This is a new and glorious morning. Do you realize every morning is a new and glorious morning if you're breathing? Praise God. You still have a purpose today. And then we get to come to church and we get to fellowship and the law isn't breaking down our doors yet? Someday. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. So after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., the prophet Jeremiah, he writes, in Lamentations, out of all books, I went to Lamentations. It's probably been a long time since you guys read this, so we're going to read it to you guys today. We'll start in verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. It says, I will... I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you heard that song? I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly 
for the salvation of the Lord. Now don't get me wrong, this is the Old Testament. This is Jeremiah speaking. And he is waiting patiently for the first coming of the Messiah. He's waiting for that O holy night. He's waiting patiently. He knew with everything within his being that Jesus was coming. He didn't know when. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Jesus came, and He's going to come back again. We just don't know when. But we have hope in that. We rest in His salvation. A child was born. And that child that was born, as it says in John 16, says He came and He conquered the world. Yeah, this world that we live in. This weary, weary world that we live in. But this weary congregation doesn't have to be weary as you walked in this morning because guess what? Oh, holy night. A child was born for the forgiveness of sin. What a gift. What a Christmas gift that was given to us. So why do we celebrate and worship? Why is it we're here today at all? Is it because of Christmas to celebrate Christmas? No, it's because our salvation has came. Jesus was born. He came for the forgiveness of sin and He was nailed to the cross for each and every single one of us. And then what is even more amazing is He resurrected three days later. What an even better Christmas gift. That that beautiful child born in a manger came with one purpose and one purpose only. You. He loves you. He came out of love. He came humbly out of love, walked the earth, tried to teach us. Tried. We're stubborn. And He came to give us eternity with Him. Because He knew there was no way we were going to follow that law. We're too corrupt. Our hearts are damaged. And He's freeing us from that. So that's why I love the poet, even as a non-Christian, even as a non-Christian says, Oh, holy night. A child was born. So Jesus is born. What can that mean to you today, right now? Everyone sitting here today, everyone watching online today, what could that mean? Jesus is born. Think about what is a day with Jesus bring? What would a day with Jesus bring you? Number one is, He brings exactly what you need. Not what you want. I hear all the Christmas songs on the radio now, not the Jesus Christmas songs, the other ones, you know, about the convertibles or the diamonds and all that, whatever, and yeah, or my two front teeth. You don't need two front teeth. He gives you what you need. A day with Jesus allows you to have what you need for that day, not what you want for that day. Sometimes they come hand in hand. As followers of Jesus, they should really collaborate together quite nicely. Lamentations 3.24, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and I will wait for Him. One, that is patience for Him to come. Two, think about if He's your portion, 
and there's something that it is that you need, He's saying, please, be patient. Wait. Jesus walked the earth to teach us. Are you walking the earth being taught? Think about that. Are you in the Word of God? Are you reading the Word of God? So you can learn from Jesus. My favorite Bible song of all times to children. Jesus loves me, this I know. How? Does anybody know the rest of it? Because the Bible tells me so. That should tell you, oh yeah, this is a historical document. That's right. It's facts. He speaks through it. He's trying to teach us that He is our portion. That He is enough. That He gives us what we need and He will fill us up with what it is we seek. You can fill yourself up with the world or you can fill yourself up with Him. And let me tell you, only one is enough. How many of you guys ate a good Thanksgiving dinner? And then ate some more Thanksgiving dinner? After you were already stuffed, you ate some more Thanksgiving dinner. Isn't it weird? Some people eat like 1 or 2 o'clock. My dad ate at like noon. I called him. It was 2 o'clock my time. Noon his time. They just finished. He's getting ready to take a nap. I talked to him later on that day. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? I just woke up for a nap and now I'm raiding the refrigerator. He's going back for seconds or thirds. Heck, I don't know. I was so full, I couldn't eat anything else. I had room for pie, and I ate it. I was hurting when I went to lay down. I mean, it hurt. Time to put on the sweats, right? But it's not too long after that, you're like, I kind of want some more. And you go get stuffed again. And Jesus is like, look guys, I get it. I understand it. But He's our daily bread. He is enough. He's trying to tell us, let me fill you up because I will fill you everlasting. Not temporary. You don't have to keep raiding the fridge of Jesus. He will fill you up. He's that portion. He gives that to us. And He fills us for eternity. Let me tell you guys, Jesus is exactly what our marriages need today. Jesus is exactly what our lives need during 2020. Jesus is what we need. Jesus is where we are when we're weak. He's like, hey, I'll be your strength. I can't tell you how many depressed nights I've had in my life where Jesus was there. I get into his word, I'll pray. And he's enough. He just takes it. Instead of focusing on the lowly, weary me, I focus on the joyful him. Who he is. If you've lost your way, what does he say he is? The way. He's the way. When you're hurting, he is the best comforter of them all as we could lay our head into His lap and just tell Him all about it. 
He knows what it's like to suffer. Trust me, He has suffered a great deal for us. And when you're down, He's your joy. Just remember you can say, Oh, holy night. Child was born. The second thing Christ can bring is the hope that keeps on going. Not the hope for just today, but the hope that's everlasting. First, He's our fill. He's our daily bread. He fills us up. We don't have to seek anything else. He's enough. But then, He's the hope that keeps on going. It's the everlasting hope. So how does a weary world rejoice? Because of the hope that we've been gifted with on Christmas. The ultimate gift was the child being born. And when you read in Luke, the child was born for what? For the forgiveness of sin. Could you imagine that being your child? Think of Mary's position in that. Mary's position was, wow, what a beautiful baby boy. What a gift from God, knowing that she was a virgin, had a baby, wow. But then she took care of that child and 33 years later she had to watch him on that cross. Talk about a weary day for her. But it was for the hope for us. We can rejoice in the Lord always. Because it's a hope that's everlasting. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him. Do you, say, do you see it's like, okay, He says, believe in Me. What does that mean? Believe in Me and you will never perish. What does that even mean? That means to seek Him on a daily basis. To change your life over to give it to Him. Put your hope in Him. Man, I can tell you, never put your hope in a pastor. Never put your hope in another person. Because that person is a people also. And as people, we're terrible at following through with things. We're really good at messing things up. We're just a messenger. A vessel that's fragile like a pot. Jesus is what we put our hope in. Do we put our hope... Think about grocery shopping. We, we do that way too often. We're in Fred Meyer a lot to buy food. To get our fill. We'll go buy 40 days worth of groceries. Usually it's a week. But think about that. Food for 40 days or no food for 40 days. Jesus went 40 days without food. Have you ever done that? No. I usually don't go 40 minutes. You can't go 40 days without food. It's really difficult. You, you could die. What about eight days without water? Think about it. Don't try it. I don't recommend it. What about four minutes without oxygen. You could die. But none of that means anything. If you live a few seconds without hope, 
If you don't have hope and you die, where does that leave you? Hopeless. In a place that you don't want to be. And Jesus came on our Christmas day for us. He gave hope that lasts way more than a few seconds. That if we were to go 40 days without food, or we were to go like 8 days without water, or 4 days without oxygen, it doesn't matter because our hope is in Jesus. And if we perish in the flesh, we will not perish in the eternal. What a gift that this child brings for us. So where's your hope today? Where's the hope when you walk through the door? Are you buying lotto tickets every day so you can win the lottery because you're broke? Stop it! It doesn't work. I mean, maybe you could buy one and hope, you know, have that little bit of hope, but don't rest all your hope in that. Is your hope in the stock market as you're watching it go up and down? Was your hope in the election? I hope not. Your hope should be in Jesus. It cannot be in a person. Ever. It can't be in a place. It has to be only in Jesus, the One who came for the forgiveness of sin. And it's amazing that a non-Christian captured that as he wrote, O Holy Night. How important that child was to be born. How important. I was on Facebook the other night, and I'm always like on the marketplace looking for where I can put my hope in my next item that I'm going to buy. And Clatsop County buy and sell you know, the Goonie, whatever. This young lady said, hey, you can erase this if you want. But she put up there, looking for a medium, a psychic, or a healer. She was desperate. She's looking for hope. And the first person to comment said, Jesus Christ. He's a healer. He's the ultimate healer. He heals the eternal and the internal. But what happened was the responses were horrendous. One kid go, no, no, she's looking for a higher power. Surprised you didn't get hit with lightning. I, but most of the responses were like that. Our world is broken. We lived in the most unchurched county. Celebrate Christmas, yay. You have a hope in you. Great. Here's someone seeking hope. Who are you helping that is seeking hope right now? In this weary world, as we rejoice, others are not. They don't know why we're rejoicing. They might think because we have a comfortable house or we're, we have jobs and money. But I'll tell you, man, that stuff doesn't go that far. It does bring comfort. Yes, I'm not going to lie. It brings comfort. But it doesn't mean that there's not stress behind it. 
It doesn't mean that there's still not brokenness behind it. It usually means you want more because He wasn't enough because you're seeking more of what the world has to offer. My heart breaks when I see someone seeking a higher power and they were given the truth and someone else threw it away. Jesus said, let those who have ears, let them hear. Man, this world is blind. This world is so blind. And yet, a child was still born. This world was so corrupt and so broken, and yet God said, you know what? I'm coming anyway. You all deserve hell. Every one of us deserve hell. Every one of us. And He goes, but I love you. I'm coming. And this child was born. Number three is Jesus brings the help that you're seeking. If you're seeking help, what is the help that you're seeking? Are you seeking financial help? Doesn't always give it. Are you seeking a physical healing? Doesn't always give it. What is His will? That's what you should be seeking. That's the help that you should be looking for. What is His will in your life? And when we align our life with His will as we go forward, then things start to happen. Though you still may get cancer, you still might be sick, but as you still do His will and you follow Him, He's still going to use you as you go through that. One of my favorite things to see is someone that is hurting so bad their most miserable time of their life and the humble time in their life in the hospital as they're telling people about Jesus and the joy that He brings them as they're battling cancer, as they went through their 59th chemo treatment. It amazes me at that strength. How do they do it? I stub my toe and the last thing I think of is Jesus. Sometimes I say His name. And I wasn't calling out for help. Lamentations 3.26 says, It is good to those who quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Some of you in here, you might be waiting right now for a Savior. And I'm here to tell you, He was born over 2,000 years ago and He died on the cross 33 years after that. And then He resurrected three days after that, which means salvation is here. Merry Christmas. Being and living in salvation takes a lot of patience. Our salvation is something that we work on every day. That doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you have to constantly be living for Jesus and working on that salvation. It was a gift given. And then He goes, now go and share it. But if you go out looking like the world, if you look exactly like the world, how are you to be different? How are you to look different? How is it that you look? Do you look like you are someone that lives in exile? Or are you someone out there in the middle of all the protests? Are you someone out there that's got your hands in everything in the world, but yet you're not once sharing the Gospel? 
We're to look different than the world. Sharing the Gospel to the world. A world that is so broken and needs it desperately. Our culture has been way too good at blinding it. Really, I'm serious. Think about, think about this. How many people have you brought to Jesus this year in 2020? Ouch. Think about that. There's a, there's a Christian church uh, uh, Facebook post that I follow. There's this gentleman that lives in Africa, northern Africa. Every day he's baptizing someone. Every day. These people live in huts and dirt, filth. Running water is only in the middle of town. How is it he's bringing that many people in a, in a, a predominant Muslim world to Jesus? How? He's sharing the Gospel. And these people are broken and they know it. They're not blinded by the world like we are in the United States. We're so rich. Man, you can, oh man. Ah, we are so rich. As we live in salvation, He calls to patience. Many of us have witnessed a physical healing in someone. We've prayed for healing for people to be healed physically. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. We wait. Sometimes we wait and wait and wait and it never happens. But it wasn't promised to us. That's not what was promised. Salvation's promised. Eternity's promised. Not your health. Surely not your wealth. But it sometimes doesn't. And I love this thought. I love the thought of what a difference a day can make spent with Jesus. Think about Lazarus. He was dead for four days. Jesus raised him from the dead. Because he spent time with Jesus. Jesus cared for him. He cared for Jesus. And he came and he healed him. The woman that had the blood issue... For 12 years, healed. She spent just a moment with Jesus. Just a moment. And she was healed. The 38-year-old man who was healed at the pool. They all had one thing in common. They encountered Jesus. They encountered Jesus. We live in a dark, a dark world. We live in a really dark world. Broken things happen. There's joy that is here. It happens. Memories and good things all the time. But think about it. We live in a dark world. One of my wife's favorite shows, and now I'm sucked into it, are these like murder shows. First 48. Got 48 hours to solve it. Every one of those shows, someone was murdered. Every one of them. This is a dark world. People die. And people watch it on TV. And horror movies and just weird stuff. There's pedophilia. And these, these hearts are just so dark. 
And Jesus is what brings the light. But as we're out in our community and we're walking around the malls and we're doing all the Black Friday shopping and we're doing all of these things, how is it all of the world sees us? If we are His light as we go, how are we to light up this dark world? We've got to look different. We've got to be different. He does promise the, or the, the eternal the spiritual healing. That is what is promised. The spiritual healing. Not a physical healing. He starts to break our heart for what breaks His heart. He can take away the eternal suffering that we're due. Romans 13, 11, 12. I love Romans 13. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Calling you out right now. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. It's time for you to wake up from your depression because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's right there. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. The day is here. You came this morning to church. You turned your televisions on to watch it this morning. He's here. He came. He died. He rose again. Oh, holy night. <clears throat> Salvation is here. Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow You? Are you willing to lay down everything that you've known in this world and say, yes, Lord, I want to follow You. I'm signing the covenant. I'm following You. It's a choice. Isaiah 33.2 says, Oh Lord, be gracious to us. Golly, think about that. We long for You. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. We live in a weary world. There are days of distress. But who is it you're looking to? Who is it you are longing for? Or what is it you are longing for? If it's not Jesus, you will stay weary. You may have some instant gratification. You may feel good for a moment. It'll wear off. He's our daily bread that's everlasting eternal it is he who saves i love that the author didn't even know jesus this author didn't even know jesus yet he understood how important his birth meant to us i often wonder if he ever gave his life over to jesus after he wrote that there's no historical document saying such a thing I'd like to think that he and the musician that wrote the music behind it came to Jesus. So as you walked in this morning, as you turned on your TV this morning, I'm here to say He saved us. For those of us who have chosen Jesus, He has saved us. So that is how in this weary world 
we rejoice because we're saved. There's nothing in this world that can tear us apart, tear us down, kill us, whatever. I often think about Paul when he was Saul and he stoned Stephen. The very first killing, killing, killing that we know of. He stoned Stephen for his faith. Where would that take you? How would that rock your faith? Are you ready to hit your knees and cry out to Jesus as stones and rocks are being thrown at you? You want to talk about some distress. That's distress. Taken for your faith. If we have hope that's everlasting, it is in the eternal life, not the physical life. The physical life is only for a moment. That's why Jesus came. He knew that. He knew that. Your Christmas gift this year is a child was born, O holy night, and it was for the forgiveness of your sins. My sins. I can rejoice in that, knowing that He has washed me clean. So this Christmas, don't get caught up in 2020. Don't get caught up in the weariness that it's brought with the COVID virus. People out of work, my heart breaks for you. Your hope is in Jesus. It's everlasting. That's what He brings. Are you ready to choose Him? Are you ready to choose Him and follow? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You so much for this morning. I thank You for this Christmas season as we get to remember something so beautiful. You, Lord, as just a humble, small child, in a cold, damp place. In the most uncommon place. God, I just thank You so much for everything that I don't deserve. The forgiveness of sin, Lord, please do not let me ever take that for granted. Lord God, I am grateful for You. And I thank you for the writers of this beautiful song. I thank you that you could bring us to a place of worship this morning. To sing this song together as we remember you from your beginning to your end as you walk to this earth. Oh God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Got to get some ushers to go ahead and pass communion. We're going to take communion here in just a second. We'll take it together. And as we take that, we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus as well as the resurrection of Jesus. Praise God.
walked up to Bonnie and gave her a hug this morning. She said she had a rough night last night because of her knee and Jerry's knee. I'm just thinking, yeah, wait till you guys get my age. 80 and 82 or 83. You know, the reason I said that is they've been here helping do this work on this church and the servers. These guys are servants. They put all the lights up on the building and they serve at Manor House and they do all this stuff. So yeah, your knees hurt. I know. And I'm grateful that your knees hurt. In a good way, Tom. The good news is your knees hurt, your back hurts, your feet hurt. We get new bodies. That's the hope, the everlasting hope. We get new bodies when we go to heaven. No more sore knees. No more sore back or feet and arms and neck. I can't wait. I mean, I can wait, but it's going to be great. But what's amazing is you had a God that came to earth, born in a manger, as a child in the flesh, and he felt those things that we feel. He knows what pain feels like. He had the same nerve endings that we do. He probably stubbed his toe once or twice. It's the same. Our Jesus came in the flesh to feel the things that we feel, to be tempted the way that we were tempted, to hurt the way that we hurt, and yet He didn't sin. He stayed blemish-free so He could be the ultimate Lamb for always. No more sacrifices. It's already been done. He did it. And boy, did He feel it. As your knees hurt, my back does too. I, I understand. How has God hung Himself to a cross? The pain that He must have felt as He nailed His dream into His ankle, His wrist. I can't imagine what it felt like with the crown of thorns pushed down onto His head. Every lash that He took for every single one of us. So as you get ready to take this little wafer, please, as you place it on your tongue, say thank you and let it mean so much more than just a tiny little wafer. Understand the sacrifice that he gave of himself for us.
poured out his blood and he cried out he was finished probably the most loving words of all time it is finished that's pure love right there he did that for your success in the kingdom so as you take this just say thank you to Jesus and remember what he did for you guys were able to get a uh, bulletin in those bulletins are connection cards if you didn't get a connection card as you leave today could you grab a connection card just put your name and phone number or name and address or name and something on it so that way if someone did come down with COVID we got to be able to reach out to you and tell you that someone had it okay but also uh, in your uh, your bulletin is our giving envelopes we tithe at this church. We love taking an offering at this church because we like to give what God has given us. We want to give it back to God. But this week, I've been saying pray for this week as it comes because we're going to do what's called a big give. We're going to give a Christmas gift to something local. And I got to sit down and have a talk with uh, our local fire chief here in Gearheart. And one of the things that he has been longing to have in his fire department other than a new fire engine which you know that would take a big miracle we're not quite that big but there's this device out there called the lucas device the lucas device is probably one of the coolest things i've ever seen you strap someone to it you strap their arms to it and it does chest compression without stuffing so the firefighter or the emt doesn't have to ride on the gurney and do chest compression I know this sounds dark to talk about, but as a church and a community, I want to help raise money for this device. I used to work in fire, an ambulance. We have folks in our church that work fire and ambulance, and it is extremely difficult to do chest compressions on someone while you're trying to wheel them across the sandy beaches. I can't tell you how many times they have to do chest compressions on someone that was drowning. This is an extremely important device. How many places do we have here in our county where there's stairs? It is extremely difficult to do chest compressions with stairs. But they can put this device on someone and put them in a gurney long before they hit the stairs or have to walk them across the beach. So uh, we're, we're going to be praying about this, but we're going to start it today. If you want to start helping give to this, this is above and beyond your tithe. This is the big give. We're starting today, and we're going to run it to January 31st, the Sunday after January 31st. I'm hoping that we can present a check to the Gearhart Fire Department for this Lucas device. Now, these aren't cheap. How cheap are they? They run ten dollars to $15,000 a lot of money that's a ton of money but in my home I have my mother-in-law she sleeps downstairs and to know that this device could possibly save her life or to know that when my kids come and visit me and my grandchildren and children as they swim in the ocean if something was to happen they would have something like this to help it's a life-saving device 
And many of us in this room now live in Gearhart Fire Department Fire District. So we're going to try to raise. The goal is $10,000. The miracle goal is $15,000. Anything over that, we are going to give a portion to the Pregnancy Care Center and the Pacific Northwest Rodeo who just started that whole thing up. So we're going to pray for our tithes and our offerings. If you do want to give a tithe or an offering or to the Big Give, if you put it in the envelope, please write Big Give. If you're tithing, please put tithe. Okay, please do that so we don't get them mixed up. We're going to announce this every single Sunday from now on. We want to bless the fire department with this. It's going to be incredible, and I know it, this is not going to be a problem. And not only am I, I'm not coming after only the church for the money, I'm going to go knock on every business door in Gearheart to help. Personally. So it's not going to just be coming from our church. I'm going to hit up any other businesses, churches, anyone that is in our county to help. So let's pray over that. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the, the generosity, the giving that comes in week in and week out to this church body. Lord God, I just pray that the, the tithe is enough, Lord, that your will be done as we continue to make your presence known in Classic County. As we get out there to make Classic County the most church county in all of Oregon and hopefully the United States during my tenure. Lord God, we just thank you for the constant blessing. Lord God, I just pray over this uh, extra giving that we're talking about. Lord God, we ask that your blessing be over this. We lift, lift this up to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. For all of you at home, you want to give to that go online please put in the message it's for the big give if you want to tithe you can go online lighthousehope.org you can also mail it in p.o box 280 warrenton oregon 97146 you can also drop it off by hand let's stand and worship let's sing oh holy night